to Very Amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and it is a Monday when I'm recording this. I am back at my desk after over a week at Walt Disney World, and uh, I'm not adjusting real well. I really miss uh, living on property for so long that I forgot I had a home here. Uh, Just truly an overwhelming amount of time that was so worthwhile. I did so much, as you know, from, I literally am, I'm dropping like two podcasts within being there for a week, which is mania. But as you know, I had a wonderful time at my friend Jeffrey's birthday party, and I had an incredible time at the Walt Disney World 50th kind of halfway through media event. Now, we covered this last week, but I have since gone on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. I went on a whopping 17 times. I don't I don't go on rides 17 times in a row. It's not something I do. But something like this, it was truly compelling like like you you couldn't not ride it i i chose to ride it over eating i chose to ride it over coffee i chose and like we're talking the good new starbucks at epcot i mean good starbucks wise not obsessed with the design but but good like very very good coffee making at that starbucks and epcot connections eatery or i'm sorry connections cafe connections eatery is the restaurant but I, i i bypassed water i bypassed coffee i bypassed food i didn't eat for so many hours just because any opportunity to just ride this ride over and over and over and over again was all I cared about. It's like it was my only mission in life (laughs) once I'd gotten on board. And I absolutely loved it. I think you all will too. I have very few critiques of it, very few negative things to say. And it's really interesting because as you probably know, the word on this ride has been overwhelmingly positive. And you have to look at it through the context of the fact that this is a Marvel-based IP attraction in Epcot. People kind of freaked out when they heard Guardians of the Galaxy were coming to Epcot. It was kind of like, how are they going to fit? This backstory about Peter Quill having gone to Epcot is, I'll say it, a bit thin. But whatever, like, they handle it very well in the pre-show of this attraction, which we discussed last week. But it's really, really good. And I think more important than what IP is ending up in the park, the fact that Epcot, which is in a wild state of construction. There's currently no hub. There's no hub to the park. It has just been raised. The fact that the hottest new attraction at Disney World is at Epcot, like Epcot is the current center of Walt Disney World for anyone wanting to ride anything new and fun. I think that's a huge deal. And that itself breathes so much new life into this park, which is, of course, one of my favorites, as I know it is for so many of you. We also found out about what the future of that Epcot hub will be. You can see more about that on my social media profiles. I made a little video and then you can see the visual of what the artistic rendering is. But either way, Epcot is finally getting the glow up it deserves. And while I do have critiques of that here and there, this coaster is incredible and I'm so happy it's here and it's almost open. It opens May 27th. You're probably hearing a lot about it because of DBC and AP previews and also the media event. People like me screaming their heads off about how good it is. But if you are kind of on the fence about if you want to go on it, you gotta go on it. Now there is a little bit, not a little bit, I take that back. There is concern of people who have motion sickness or nausea issues and they are worried about this ride. If you go to my Instagram profile, I made a full Guardians of the Galaxy like deck. I basically made like a corporate presentation deck slideshow on my Instagram that answers all of the questions that I got from listeners, from people who follow me online. And a lot of people asked about the nausea stuff and I answered it as fully and completely as I was capable of. I think if you're on the fence, take the Dramamine, go on the ride. You will absolutely love it. But Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind is last week's news because this week, are you kidding? me? We have a turning red episode? I have been dreaming of this since the day the movie came out, which of course I saw in theaters. I saw it at at El Capitan, which I've talked about on this podcast. I had to see it on the big screen. It is exceptional. And if you're anything like me, you absolutely fell in love with this movie and its characters and even its boy band. So to have Domi and Lindsay on the show today, gabbing about everything from growing up to silly memories to embarrassing moments to this whopper of a film that they made. And I mean whopper in a good way because it's huge and it's wonderful and I love it so much. I am so grateful and honored that they're on the show. I am truly like, oh, I'm blushing. Uh, I hope you love this episode and I won't waste any more of your time talking about coasters because today it is all about turning red and I hope you love it. Stick around. This one is so good. Thank you. 
This week, we are having a terrific lady hang with the creative team behind Pixar's impeccable film, Turning Red. Now, if you don't know much about Lindsay Collins and Domi Shi, let me just emphasize up top how big of a get this was. Domi Shi began her career at Pixar 11 years ago as an intern and worked her way up from story artist to pitch Bao, my favorite ever Pixar short, about a mother and her dumpling child, netting herself an Academy Award. We have an Academy Award winner on the podcast. Like, what? You don't understand. She's the first woman to direct a Pixar short and the first woman of color to win an Oscar for Best Animated Short Film. And yes, the first female to solo direct a Pixar film, which she did for Turning Red. This is historic, and they're here to party on the podcast. And Lindsay's background is just as impressive. She's not only been at Pixar for 25 years, but served as the producer of Turning Red, meaning that these two, hand in hand, pushed this perfect film over the finish line. And don't worry, Lindsay's no slouch either. She netted an Academy Award as a producer of WALL-E. She produced WALL-E and has an Oscar for WALL-E. Oh my God. I'm not going to elaborate on it too much, but I do want to mention that this movie means so much to me, especially as a woman. Being Pixar's first film directed by a woman when Pixar's very first film came out in 1995 is extremely overdue. Just let that sink in for a minute. Women make up half the world, and we've had a lot of Pixar films until one was solo directed by a lady. So I am honored that the creative team behind the film is here on Very Amusing to chit-chat about everything because that's what we did we talk about middle school we talk about being cringe we talk about jobs with women at the helm we talk about turning into our mothers we talk about our first concerts life as a woman and deleted scenes which i was sent in advance but you can now see too the film was recently released on digital download and blu-ray so we can experience even more of may lee with seven deleted scenes three featurettes and audio commentary with the director domi shi and Also, if you want to know more about the ladies who led this production beyond these two, I highly recommend Embracing the Panda, a featurette on Disney Plus where the film is, which shows you how it was made during a pandemic. It is wild. I won't spoil it, but we also may or may not even talk about, I don't know, Turning Red possibly coming to Disney Parks, May perhaps appearing in her panda form, and you'll soon learn why we need your help to beg the powers that be to make it happen. I'm so thrilled to be bringing you this conversation. I'm honored to have them as my guests. And this podcast slumber party with two incredible women is one for the record books. I'll turn it over to them. Here is Domi Shi and Lindsay Collins of Pixar's Turning Red talking about it all. Domi and Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on Varium Music. For most people, talking about being a teenager professionally would be humiliating in and of itself, but you somehow made it beautiful (laughs) (laughs) to the point. I can't believe they put photos of y'all as teenagers in the Embracing the Panda featurette. You are so brave. Did you grapple with that at all? Or did you just know what this is going to be and you just dove in? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, I mean, the way I pitched Turning Red was it was always this uh, Chinese Canadian girl living in the early 2000s who goes through magical puberty. Uh, and I knew I had to dig into my own kind of personal experience and my own past. But uh, I, it, it still didn't prepare me for the amount of cringe <laughs> that I experienced on like a daily basis, like trying to explain to like the story crew or like the animation department that moment that actually happened when my mom did hide behind a tree and and then stalk me on my first day of middle school and all that all that great stuff but uh that's that's what makes movies special is if you can take a cringy real moment from within the filmmaker and and share it and and we can all collectively experience that at the same time (laughs) Yeah, we kind of forced the whole crew to to embrace it. I mean, in the sense that all of their kind of, especially when we were on Zoom, like all of our kind of photos, you know, in our Zoom boxes, if the, if the video was off, like so many people had were like doing their middle school pictures, their like most cringy. So 
everybody kind of leaned into the collective cringe um, of sharing middle school uh, photos and, and experiences. And I think, you know, it made it that much more kind of fun to, to make a movie about it because I think everybody realized how visceral those memories are. How did you physically go about getting back to the mindset of a time that so many of us have tried so hard to forget details of? Because I know for me, if I started to talk about middle school, I would think of three to four things, but you gotta, you gotta bring a lot of dirt if you're doing a story like this for three to four years. Yeah. So I helped that like most of the creative leadership on the team were women because we could always, we had a steady supply of those types of stories and memories. And if so, if like my memory was a little bit fuzzy about this thing, you know, like, like Lindsay or like Julia, the writer could like chime in and be like, oh, like, because I never got to go to a concert. Like I never got, and, and I never had the experience of like sneaking out um, or like breaking the rules because I was such a good girl. Uh, but, you know, luckily there were many women on, on the, t on the crew uh, who did have that experience, who could bring that part of themselves to May's story so yeah <laughs> I like that it's like oh we just had so much trauma to choose from <laughs> yeah it was a yeah. buffet <laughs> a yeah. trough of trauma <laughs> oh, and even if we were like oh gosh is that too much or are we like you know I mean the, the nice thing is that you had a chorus of people being like oh no that's not too much like let me tell you this that happened to me so I think there was also kind of this encouragement to to be bold in the in the telling of these kinds of stories did you walk away from this experience at all thinking that some of these memories you had, you were very alone in, but then realizing everyone else was going through the same exact thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought I, you know, like uh, that, especially like having a bit, very overprotective mom uh, and that like well, seemingly unique story of a, of a mom stalking her daughter to school was shared by like quite a few people who've seen the movie and they're like my mom was totally like that too uh but also just experience of getting your period for the first time and just how embarrassing it was and how there's a lot of hiding there's a lot of shame I thought like oh like you know i I lived in Canada, so I just assumed like, you know, non-Asian people just, you know, had like a very progressive, you know, like, like adult conversation with their, you know, parents about it. But no, like it, it's just across the board, still a very like taboo, awkward uh, thing for a lot of families like across cultures. So, yeah. For sure. yeah. And it, then also those of us that are moms, you know, of kids who are either, you know, preteen or teen kids, like all of those experiences and that, you know, are still, you know, traumatic on the mom side, like all this stuff, like, I'm going to be so much better. I'm so prepared. I'm so much more like, you know, I don't know, modern and I'm going to talk about it. And yet still I failed miserably in the entire, you know, how <laughs> to talk to your kids about their first period. I was like, oh my God, I, why am I taken by surprise by this? I'm literally making a movie about it. I went through this film and yet still surprised um, that it happened and probably did not do my best work as a parent walking <laughs> through it. I'm sure you did great. I mean, it's just so funny that it's so shrouded in secrecy when it happens to billions of people and no one talks about it. I know. <laughs> Crazy. And again, like, I think to your point, like people try to push those memories back or something, but it's really amazing because they are so visceral, I think, and so formative. Those moments of middle school that it really, as much as you think you don't remember it, the minute you're in a room full of people talking about that time, like the, the like rush of memories that you end up kind of experiencing and being like, oh my God, that happened to me too. Like they are very, um, they're very formative memories. It's kind of why in the one hand people don't want to talk about it, but on the other hand, they are, they are very kind of, um, deep and present if you actually allow yourself a minute to go back in time to, to middle school. It's like everybody has some very kind of formative moments um, in their, of their lives during that period of time. I, I'm just so thrilled that we've made it to Pixar's first animated pad. Oh, really, right. it's, been, it's been a journey, but we did it. <laughs> yes, we, we made lots and lots of pads for this 
all the pets. Yeah, all the pets. Yes. I, uh, I watched the featurette from the uh, digital and Blu-ray release, and it was so funny to hear the crew talk about just the, the juxtaposition of photos of pads next to the animation of them and like <laughs> like how it was the first time they've done that, but they were thrilled about it. Yeah. It was lovely. I just remember like one of those moments where, you know, can, we were working from home, obviously, during so much of this. And, um, you know, occasionally, like, you know, after school, like, kids would come in and, you know, you'd see their, like, heads pop into the frame. It's like animation dailies were going or sets dailies and they would kind of watch what was happening. Yeah, you know, which, which was kind of fun. And I mean, normally they don't get a chance to do that, right? Because we're in the, we're in the studio. But yeah, it happened to be this shot where, you know, Ming is bringing out all the pads. Like my youngest daughter was like, popped her head in after school, was watching the animation. And she just like, looked at me kind of horribly. She's like, why does she have so many pads? <laughs> a lot of pads. I'm like, I know, it's a lot of pads. <laughs> like me, I'm, you're going to have, I'm, I also have all the, and she said, you do? I'm like, no, I'm not really, actually. I don't have all those. <laughs> yeah, she's very prepared. I have to ask, so how did your own friends from junior high, if you are still in touch with them, react to this film? Uh, um, well, I am mostly in contact with like one or two people from high school and middle school. Um, yeah, I think they, they like loved it. Cause, uh, one of my friends, uh, Leela, she, she's still my friend to this day, but we were the president and vice president of the anime club in school. And she just got a, su- such a kick out of like seeing our dorky nerdy selves just like portrayed on 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 the big screen for millions of people to see she's like wow that's really brave <laughs> uh and I, I i mean like Lindsay said it's 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 moments that you don't want to go back to normally but i think because i did uh it just it it, it allowed us to find so much comedic gold and emotional gold for the for the movie and i always um so i stumbled upon this really funny meme after the movie came out uh that someone put like a like panda may in this like image and they just wrote like and and she's like looking kind of like serene and 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 kind of uh at peace on top of a mountain and the text was i am cringe but i am free <laughs> and i was like yes that's that's me <laughs> It's all experience, <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm at peace with my middle school experience now because of making this movie. <laughs> uh, Lindsay, were you as cringe as we both were? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw the picture of me in middle school. I mean, and then you know the Pixar, because um, we had to give them a lot of pictures when they kind of chose certain ones. But then you know, little fun surprise was when Pixar's um, Instagram account like posted different pictures of us from that um middle school time and like I, the amount of times that thing was sent back to me by friends of mine kind of current friends of mine and friends of mine they were like yes <laughs> like they get this is golden and i was like oh I'm like why why <laughs> is this picture coming back to i mean you know we all had the worst haircuts like the worst style the worst all of it um, oh we didn't grow up with the internet like people have now. It was very different. So this is traumatizing for us that have not grown up and did not grow up with all of these pictures being accessible at all times. Like there is no curation of photos um, at our in our generation. So the photos were as bad as they could possibly be. <laughs> oh, my. I didn't even think about that, that we wow. all have the luxury if you're of a certain age where your photos are not online. Unless you're literally you two or the crew that worked on this film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone puts so much of themselves into this film. Are there any situations that you experienced in your personal life growing up that you really wanted to fit into Turning Red, but you just couldn't make it work? There were fun deleted scenes uh, from from the movie uh, that we just had to cut because the, the story changed or we didn't have time. Uh, we wanted to keep the pace going, but there was this really fun sequence near the beginning of the movie where May actually did go with her friends to karaoke. Um, and that was totally ripped from, from my, you know, my teenagehood, my um, young adulthood. Like, I just love going to those, like, Korean or Chinese, like, private 
karaoke rooms in in toronto or in san francisco like with my girlfriends we would just stay there for hours just like screaming (laughs) into the microphone and it's just a very like satisfying cathartic experience um and with certain friends too like we're really hardcore about it we're like we'll listen politely when the other person's song comes on and and like some of my friends even like learned how to harmonize to like be backup for for each other uh that and and that was just like a really fun like like girl space that i wanted to um you know like like put in the movie but uh it had it had to be cut so yeah (laughs) lindsay i want to know your answer but i gotta ask Tommy, what is your go-to karaoke song Ooh. You and I is a great song to, to sing. Yeah. yeah, it's like, like in my range. Area here. Yeah, and then and then of course we'll like put on the Disney songs, uh, and we'll like act out all you know like like all of the acting like part of your world. Like oh, yeah. we'll do like the whole like <laughs> feet. Like <laughs> like we'll like act it all out and and like actually like reach for like you know the surface and and it it just you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, and and be prepared <laughs> from the Lion King is like oh, my yeah. favorite song to sing. And I'll put on like a British accent and, and <laughs> do my best Jeremy Irons. Yeah, like that's my favorite. That that is my top song actually. It is be prepared from the Lion King. <laughs> Honestly, kind of bummed this isn't on the digital download or the Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I this would have been perfect content. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I don't even know the last time I went karaoke. So I'm like, I'm like the fact that you were like, oh, I have, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. Oh. This is just the thing that I do a lot. <laughs> oh yes. my God. I, I love it. I mean, you're, you're truly living the dream. Yes. No, um, it's, yeah. it's impressive. Uh, to hop back, Lindsay, is there anything that from your youth that you really wanted to jam into the film that you just couldn't make it work? You know, not. Not so much other than, again, just this kind of, I, I ended up, because of my age, frankly, um, kind of playing a little bit more of the voice of the mom of Ming, um, just in terms of trying to kind of keep that that alive and what's what's her deal and what's kind of driving her and her decisions. Like, I, I would always be the one kind of trying hard to go like, you know, moms are just trying. Like, they don't know. And all coming from a place of love and they're like all right why are you getting so defensive about it um <laughs> so i think it was you know i was there was so much um kind of right um kind of fodder for the for the story of, of these of these kids and these girls that in some ways i found myself more kind of being like well this is how i handled it or this is how i fight to think about it or how i approached it when i was like or when i get in a fight with my kid like this is the thing that like is devastating to me if they say or you know that kind of thing um oh yeah like like we had scenes again that we had to cut for time and story reasons with um where we're with the mom character ming she actually goes to karaoke in once with one scene too because like we just it's like later in the movie and she's like frustrated with uh with may like you know and 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 she and, and we like reveal that mother and daughter are actually pretty similar and she likes to go to karaoke and vent as well and her go-to song is like celine dion and she's just like i don't know what's going on with my daughter anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love that this film touched on how which I know my mom is going to listen to this because she leaves a voicemail at the end of every episode and I add it on to every podcast. So she's a <laughs> character in this universe. But uh, I am begrudgingly uh, horrified to admit that I know I'm turning into her. Like I'm actively turning into my mother. And there were themes of that in this film, which I don't feel like I've really seen anywhere else. You know, I think it's real. I mean, we all dread it. And yet we all it's it is to Domi's. I think Domi's answered this question, you know, kind of separate question before, but like the why the mother daughter. And it's like they, it is the most often it's the most formative and the most kind of fraught um, relationship in our lives, you know, for our whole lives. And it's, you know, I find that with my own kids, I find it with my mom, where it's like, you know, my girls, I get them. Like, I know who they are. And as much as it's frustrating to both me and them that we see these similarities, it causes so much more kind of just friction and frustration and emotional kind of, you know, um, inner exchanges versus, you know, even me and my son. Like, right, we're just kind of different people. We talk 
we talk about different things, but my daughters and I, man, we, we get into it and it's, um, and some of it is because I see myself in them. So I'm like, oh, I see you <laughs> and try to pull it over on me. Like, I know what you're doing. Uh, <laughs> and then other times, you know, it's that fear of like, oh my God, I just literally said a sentence that sounded exactly like my mom. Like, I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth and with real authority, like didn't even, <laughs> didn't even hesitate. Just threw out the sentence that I would like always just annoy me as kids. I just threw it out there to my own kids. So yeah, I do think that there is absolutely truth to you becoming your parents to some degree. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing to my mother who was listening. I love her very much. And, uh, and she, there are great aspects of her that I'm very thrilled to have in my life and beyond, but it's just, it's just a struggle to think that you are in charge of your decisions and your moods and then to look down and be like, oh, I'm wearing everything she owns that she gave me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's also like like the the things that drive you crazy about them. You end up inheriting and putting on, yeah, like your partner or your, or, or your kids as well. Like uh, my mom's like overprotectiveness and her like, like, what do what are you doing right now? Like, I'm like, oh my God, just let, let me be. But then I'll be like texting my boyfriend. I'm, I'll be like, oh, it's like seven. Where, where are you? I hope you're okay. And you're like, be careful when you're biking around town. Uh, I, I read this one article about this one biker that, that, that got like mugged that one time. And literally my mom <laughs> does that to me like all the time. And I'm like, whoa, I'm turning into her. <laughs> I think that we match me all the time like that I can track my kids on you know i can track them because they're phones right because they're all on my account so i can be like find my like, where are they you know and she's like oh my god they know you can like i know i actually never mentioned that i can track. <laughs> you just did it automatically if there's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean why wouldn't i <laughs> oh wow my mother's dream who likes for me to call her anytime i come home just to let her know i'm still alive so she doesn't have to stress you yeah. know yeah, yeah. I, I, have your mom call me there's ways yeah <laughs> Oh, no. Mom, do not call Lindsay. Do not listen to that. <laughs> so uh, in honor of having created the best boy band of the past decade, uh, I, I know that, Tommy, you, you didn't go to any concerts when you were young, but I would love to know for each of you, what was your first concert and what was it like? Oh, man, I didn't get to go to a concert until I was in college. <laughs> and the first concert I went to, it was a small concert. It was um, this local band in Toronto called metric um, i love metric I yeah 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 uh and they're from toronto and they're in scott pilgrim which is a great movie uh and yeah they performed and i was like wow it's so loud but this is so exciting i'm an adult now um yeah and then the fact that you know like we're in canada so the drinking age was lower so i had like a beer and i was like whoa my god this is adulthood <laughs> just had that moment like may imagine where like i'm crossing that threshold into into womanhood now <laughs> mine was uh, a band the first one was a band called general public which i'm like it used to be english beat and then anyway. um and but the one that was like the big like that was kind of a smaller one and then the, but the big kind of first big concert i went to was like madonna um nice and it was like and then and then my but really truth be told the one that was the most like what the girls are experiencing was that, and it's so embarrassing. I was a full blown adult and I dragged my four year old daughter at the time to go see Justin Bieber. And, and because we got a photo op and like the picture of her is like, could not be more mortified as a four year old, like standing with Justin Bieber, like pissed. Like she's like, and I'm like, like next to her, like so excited, like way overly excited to be standing next to Justin Bieber. And yeah. So there, I clearly have not outgrown my like weird desire to go and hang out and scream for bands. And Justin Bieber was for you, not for your child. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. I, tried to, I was like, will you please? I think I had to pay her or something to come with me. I can't just go by myself. That's weird. You come <laughs> with me. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I loved learning from Embrace the Panda that so much of the character aligns with the actual persona of the animal. I, I believe you mentioned that they're attached to their moms, but especially that they eat bamboo and aren't supposed to eat bamboo. Uh, yeah. Did you know that at the start or was that just a weird, delightful surprise? It was just a fun uh, 
coincidence. Uh, I mean, I, I, I knew it from the beginning, like she needs to poof into a giant red panda because that'd be so cute and funny and weird. Uh, but then as we did more research, as we went to the San Francisco Zoo and like actually looked at them and talked to the zookeepers there, we're like, oh my gosh, there's like a, a lot of like similarities between red pandas and teenagers that we could totally use uh, in the movie. And it's just a fun place to kind of like, like think about unique ways to tell the story like when may is running home from school and she's really embarrassed uh, she like gradually gets onto higher ground and that was kind of our way to incorporate that like panda fact that that red pandas are arboreal and they prefer to be in like high places yeah. like trees and stuff so. or when they're like when they're when they're trying to be big or pissed okay. they, like they like put their little paws up she does that too like yeah they're so cute mannerisms that we were playing with i know have y'all been able to hold a red panda yet? No, we really wanted to, but we 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 were able to feed the red panda apple slices through the cage. But apparently, they're kind of like a little bit like feral and vicious. <laughs> if if they're oh, not like May at all, yeah, 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 which yeah, which is also like a fun little fact that we incorporate into the movie. Like they look very cute, but they can actually like s- scratch you up because they're they're kind of like That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, they're wild animals. They look so cute. <laughs> All of us dream of hugging May at Disney parks. I'm not going to put you on the spot to tell me if that's going to happen or not. I just want to publicly pain right now. Oh, like, I have been publicly advocating for it. Just the idea of uh, of hugging May, like in the film, and just just feeling how chunky and how sweet she is. Yeah, we. I think they had. I mean, I'll just say it. I think there are designs out there for it. I don't know if they've greenlit the the project or the budget to do it, but yeah, like start it. You've heard it here now. Like start your write-in campaign. Yes, yes. to the powers that be. If you are yes. listening, please have a walk around May at Disney parks. It would be a perfect addition to Pixar Pier. We and need it. And or town like parade concert. Yeah. Oh, oh my! I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we will take all of it. I just I gotta hook. Yeah, all of it. I gotta hook May. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. Framebridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with Framebridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, and even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer, and it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to FrameBridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's FrameBridge.com. On a more serious production note, I want to talk a bit about the making of the film. I thought the deleted scenes that are on the digital download and the Blu-ray were so interesting. I loved the breakdown of the red peony scene where it it had everything from artists discussing how May was sized down to fit in the shower and another artist discussing how to perfect May's blink, which is, (laughs) I uh, uh, kudos to you, this is too much work, I can't fathom it. But also in that featurette, uh, Domi, I believe it was your assistant, Ella Lorraine, who mentioned that you were in 120 different meetings about just one scene? 
Oh, that, yeah. I I didn't keep track, but that totally makes sense. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, not the rest of us aren't really like directing and producing major animated films, but a lot of people out there are just struggling to juggle everything these days. Yeah. Uh, do you have any advice on how you keep track of things that are large and ambiguous over the course of time? Or basically, how do you just manage to steer a ship this size without losing sight of the course? Ooh. Yeah, uh, just have a great team, like a great leadership team that can help you. And then just for me to not be overwhelmed with, yeah, the fact that I need 120 meetings for this one scene, just take it one step at a time. Like just focus on what the next goal is and the one after that and the one after that. But just like, like don't, it's interesting. It's, it's like, like have the big picture in your head, but, but don't worry so much about all of, all of the little steps that you have to do. Just just take it one step at a time and slowly chip away at this uh at this massive project and and ask for help <laughs> which uh, which I did <laughs> eventually <laughs> uh Lindsay do you have any advice for us to keep our lives together <laughs> like you all oh, have gosh. um <laughs> I mean, yeah everything that Joby said I think um also I I kind of say it like we we have to get really good at changing altitudes all the time. And what I mean by that is the ability to fly up at 10,000 feet and see like the bigger picture and be like, okay, this is a marathon. Like we can, we can debate this kind of detail until we're blue in the face, but it's not the best use of our time. So let's move on because we'll have, there's plenty of time to deal with that. Down the, and then also be willing to come down to a 10 foot level and talk about, you know, what is the length of the whiskers on Pandame and, look at different versions and what does it mean if we do them longer or shorter and how do we animate them and all that kind of stuff so that the job and and it's weird because it does take you know such a long time to make and all of these micro decisions as much as they feel very specific and detailed culminate in what you end up seeing i mean all of them end up being seen on the film um is is the ability to be changing altitudes um, in any given day and be like, now I need you to be up at 10,000 feet and now I need you to be down at 10 feet um, and getting much more comfortable with um, with that. That it's never it's never one entirely one or the other because it just doesn't nothing works that way. You have to be able to kind of do both. Mm-hmm. That's really great advice. Thank you both. Since this is a podcast about theme parks and specifically about Disney parks, what is your favorite Disney attraction? the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, because I'm kind of a, a, I'm kind of a wimp and I can't do like roller coasters and anything like that. Like me and my mom accidentally went on the rock and roller coaster once oh in Florida. Oh my and we God. were like, oh, oh. I was like, I didn't even know who Aerosmith was. I was like, that, that was scary. I was like young. But Pirates of the Caribbean, like that, that one, like, woo, like, that, like that's good. That's enough excitement for me. And I'm like, wow, whew, that's great. And then it's just a nice, fun ride. <laughs> uh, that's exactly over. what my mom says, because she is also scared of like coasters and drop rides. And every time on that pirate's drop, she yeah. screams. Yeah, me too. Like, <laughs> yeah. wow, that was great. <laughs> that's it. That's all I can do. <laughs> Lindsay, are you a big, a big coaster person? I'm not. I am, um, but again as a mom and you're like you're like at some point you're like can't let them go alone on the ride like that's irresponsible (laughs) and so you know there are moments where you're like okay no no cool yeah i'll totally go and like you know i'm uh enjoying it but um and i've gone i mean i've done like the you know the guardians the galaxy one which like literally i was like i needed like a day to recuperate i was like that was a lot um yeah, because so, it's not just I, a drop ride. It flings oh, you up in the air also. I mean, everything about it. I was like, I think swearing very loudly through the whole, like to the point where like, it's really like, okay, you don't need to come on again. That's horrifying. Um, but I love the, um, the, the Snow White, the Seven Dwarves, like the mining car one at Disney World. What's that Oh one? yeah, Seven Dwarves Mine Train. Oh, I love that one. That's like bright in my sweet spot in terms of like excitement and fun. And it was so, and it doesn't ha- we don't have it at Disneyland. I love that. It, and I've only been to Disney world once. And so I'm very much more at Disneyland because I'm yeah. California native, but so at, at Disneyland, um, I love Thunder Mountain railroads because kind of similar. Right. Um, but we also love, you know, I love the, the 
we let the buzz light like the lame little like ding, 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 buzz light here right <laughs> Super fun. Fun. like anything competitive my family's in um oh yeah i can see yeah. that yeah anything that's like secret like oh if you do if you shoot this and like i'm always asking the ride operators like what's the secret like give me you know like and i'm like covering my kids ears as we're going into the you know what is the toy story uh, mania ride oh Most, yeah that's a fun one how do i get the one and they're like telling me and i'm like that's my kid, 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 kid. it gets very weirdly competitive at our house so yeah we're down oh, yeah. competitive ride um one of oh. the best tips i've ever gotten for toy story uh midway mania is that in some scenes you need to work together to get to a higher score i know oh yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of weird things in that one and like if you talk to people who work the ride they're like very like oh yeah there's like 10 different things that if you get it right you get much higher score Oh, yeah. People are like Olympian level with that attraction. I know. And I'm always like, how my arm? Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, oh, man. I, I had like one memory of a, of a Disneyland ride. Uh, I really like the Cars Land ride, like the, the Cars ride. But I didn't know going in that it had like a race that was kind of like a roller coaster at the end. And I went with my friends and we were in the single Raptor line. So uh, I was separated from my friends. Um, and I didn't know what it was. So I, so they put me with this like very nice Mexican family who have been on it before. So like we're like racing through and it gets to this, the fast part. And I'm just like, eh. but, uh, at the end when they show the photos, all the, the family was like pointing and laughing at their photo. Cause like they're all like, yeah. And like this, like this, like terrified Asian girl in the back is just like, uh. <laughs> And they're like, that's cute. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Well, you know, I, I photobombed your favorite cars. It's probably like their Christmas card. I know. It's just like, like and it's like, it's like this perfect, like, family picture. And then, like, yeah, and you're all like, yeah. Yes. And then it's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. This is a toughie, but if you could dream up a turning red attraction, what would it be? It. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> just in the back pocket? Okay, give it to me. Did you want to pinch it? Oh, yes. Okay. So it's, it's an adolescence. It's adolescence, but it's as, as a roller coaster and it will be up and down and crazy. And then end, it can end with, uh, with, with May head butting like a giant (laughs) Ming in the, in the head. (laughs) You're like, you go through and you're like, you get hot in the tunnels and you get flashes. It's, yeah, a, a hallway of, of 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 animatronic middle schoolers pointing and laughing. <laughs> uh, I, okay, that would be the most frightening ride Disney has ever created. If there are thirteen year olds taunting me inside yes. an attraction, but then it'll like do a one eighty. Yeah, it'll be like a like a one eighty flip because it'll go from that to like you're underwater and then like mermen are like around <gasps> you and you're like, what am I feeling? I'm like, I was like embarrassed one second, but now I'm like, this is the best feeling ever and and yeah that's that's puberty it's like up and down oh my god i love it i love that there are crushes built into the coaster yes it's just, you, have all the, you go through yeah, yeah oh my god the- and having a four town soundtrack would just be amazing yeah mm-hmm. heaven yeah this was absolutely amazing. I feel like I, I went to like a Zoom slumber party in my youth. <laughs> Thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. This yeah. was a dream. Yeah, this was so fun. I am so excited about Turning Red, and I'm so excited there's now more that we can absorb in the digital and Blu-ray release. So thank you both so much. Yeah, thank you. Hi, Carly. It's Sandy from Florida. I found your podcast through Brooke McDonald, and I've fallen completely in love. I'm a new listener. But I am a Disney obsessed Floridian. I've never lived more than two hours from Walt Disney World. And next year, I've made my husband promise to take me to Disneyland since he has a medical conference in California. That being said, how many days do you recommend? And what's your number one tip for someone who's dreamed of going to Disneyland their entire life? Thanks so much. Love your podcast. Can't wait to keep listening. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for listening and for finding the podcast. I already thanked Brooke personally, but I'm so appreciative to have you here in the very amusing universe. And I'm so thankful that you you just found out about the podcast and you're already calling.
going. So I am happy to help you plan your trip. Now, I usually recommend minimum two days for Disneyland. I mentioned this in regards to the next call as well. But since you're specifically mentioning you've waited forever, forever to go to Disneyland Resort, I'd say three days is going to be your sweet spot. You can get plenty done in two, I think. But three is great for someone who wants to squeeze every ounce out. It's You're going to be able to do what you want within three days. No problem. It's much easier to navigate these parks. And especially if you're staying around there because you're visiting, you'll be able to maximize the full day. A number one tip, though, I'm hard pressed to just give you one. I have too many. So you're getting multiple. I hope that's okay. I would recommend keeping a short list of things you want to do so you don't miss out on anything. Disneyland is smaller and more intimate, and showtimes for certain things can be a little limited, so just keep note of that. I would play around a lot in the app, on the website, bookmark things you want, write them down so you have them handy, so while you're wrapped up in all the excitement that is Disneyland, you don't miss out on a little tiny thing that you wanted to see and just forgot when you were within the park. I would also recommend taking time to enjoy Disneyland beyond the attractions. Lean into spontaneity. This park, more than any other, I'd say, has so much atmosphere. You may see musicians walking around New Orleans Square or a character appear in Fantasyland that you didn't expect. And it's easy to see that and be like, we gotta get in our haunted mansion, we gotta go right now. But if you see something magical happening, drop everything and just take it in. And if you need a break, Get water, get a soda, and just sit on Main Street near the Rivers of America. There's so much to experience in this park without getting on board anything. And leaving a little extra time for that, specifically inside Disneyland Park, is so worthwhile. But the number one tip I have for you is that you have to see Fantasmic. Like, you have to. I don't care if uh, if you have to go to some mixer for the medical conference. I don't care if you're like, I'm tired, all I want to do is sleep. No, you have to go to Fantasmic. It is nothing like Walt Disney World. It is a tour de force. It is a triumph. It is unbelievable. You have to see Fantasmic. So even if you sleep all day, you don't go on a single ride, you never see Mickey Mouse, you have to see Fantasmic. I now realize I'm yelling at you, but I just believe in Fantasmic so much. (laughs) You have to see it. Main Street Electrical Parade, I love it. Yes, but Fantasmic, not to be missed. Uh, I hope you have so much fun. Let me know how it goes and give us a call back if you have any other questions. Have so much fun on your first trip to Disneyland. So exciting. Hey, Carly. Uh, Renee from Ohio. Actually, it's Renee from New York City. Um, I just live in Ohio. I feel like that's an important clarification. Um, anyway, our um, our family's heading to Disneyland uh, in May, and we are actually solidly Disney World people for the last 20-something years. Uh, we're get up early, get to the parks, rope drop, um, go hard kind of people, and I'm hearing that's not usually the way to do it in Disneyland. Um we're staying right across the street, wondering if we should be there early or if we could take our time since it's easier to get from park to park, smaller parks in general. Just wondering what your advice would be on that. Can we sleep in? Should we get there early? We have Genie Plus if that matters. Um, anyway, I'd love to know what you think. Hope to see you there. We'll be wearing our Cheryl shirt. Take care, Carly. Bye. Renee, thank you so much for this call. And yes, I am happy to help you through this quandary. Rope dropping the moment Disneyland Resort Parks open isn't as necessary as it is at Walt Disney World, in my opinion, but I am still going to recommend you do it, at least on one day of your trip. It all comes down to Disney Genie Plus. It works differently here at Disneyland Resort, and both Disney Genie Plus return times, which you'll be using, and any individual lightning lanes you want to purchase can only be done once you enter the park. This is very different from Walt Disney World, where if you have Disney Genie Plus, you can book at 7 a.m., and if you want to book an individual lightning lane, you can either do that at 7 a.m. if you're a Walt Disney World Resort hotel guest, or at park opening. Here at Disneyland, if you want to book anything, no matter where you're staying, you have to enter the park first. So naturally, the earlier you enter, the more you can get out of Disney Genie Plus. And Disney Genie Plus works very well at Disneyland Resort, as we covered in my Genie Plus episode with Brooke McDonald. You really can squeeze more out of the service the earlier you get in. But also, more importantly, you are so 
close to the park. And I find Disneyland Park specifically to be so magical and special in the morning. There's just, I don't know, there's like this inherent magic in being at a park this quaint early in the morning. I think mornings are so delightful at Disneyland. So I highly recommend doing that at least once, not just to get more out of Disney Genie Plus, but it's also really easy to get on high demand rides like Peter Pan in the morning. Another thing to note here too, park hopping starts an hour earlier at Disneyland Resort. So it's at 1 p.m., not 2 p.m. like you're used to at Disney World. And honestly, I think that the stress of waking up at Disney World in the morning, getting to the bus, getting transportation, going to the the TTC, the Ticket and Transportation Center, trying to get into Magic Kingdom, I think that that's all pretty burdensome and that makes for a stressful morning. But at Disneyland, if you're just walking into the park, you don't even have to board transportation. I think you will be more inclined to want to wake up early and get more out of your day. And also, once you ride that, once you ride a ride with Disney Genie Plus Disneyland, you can very easily book another one. So you can really blast through a lot in the early morning hours. I, I hope that helps. I am so honored that you will be wearing your very amusing merch. Oh my God. Thank you so much and have a wonderful trip. Hey, Carly. It's Liz. I'm thinking about planning a Disneyland trip and going to California for a week, but I just don't know how much time I should set aside for Disneyland versus other things in Los Angeles or what I should even do. I've been to Disneyland once like six years ago. It was over the holidays, like over Christmas. I had a fantastic time, but it was like pre-Galaxy's Edge there, pre-Avengers Campus, and I'm like, should I a lot more than three days? Three days? I don't know. I don't know. So help. Um, It would be so great. And then do you have any other recommendations for time in California, outside of Disneyland, that you feel people not from California should do. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great day. And say hi to your mom. (laughs) I actually got a bunch of calls about this recently from multiple people about combining Disneyland and Los Angeles and how to split things up. So I actually wanted to break it down a little more generally speaking than this call, just just to let you know from the get-go. Now, three days at Disneyland is plenty, I think. Even if you only do two and a half, I think you can make it happen and see everything you want to see. Two days to me is the sweet spot for maximizing Disneyland, especially if you have a park hopper ticket. That way you can basically see everything you want. I do, though, think Los Angeles is worth stopping through. There are a lot of other places you can go in Orange County and Anaheim, but I live in Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles, and I highly recommend Los Angeles for your trip. What I do need to mention, though, is that driving between Disneyland and L.A. is no joke. It is no joke. You will go on multiple freeways. People drive like maniacs. Uh, You will need to probably allow up to two hours each way just for traffic. Lately, I've gotten lucky, but it's never going to be less than an hour. It's just never going to be. It's more like an hour 10 to an hour 30. So just keep that in mind. You'll probably want to leave early and arrive back late because you do not want to be driving between the two during rush hour. Do I think driving that far is worth it even with all that? Yes, yes, I do. Even for one day. I absolutely love this city. And I think it's worth seeing since it has so much history and every day is beautiful out. So you don't have to like worry too much about planning outdoor indoor things. And I love it here. I just I love it here so much. I'm extremely overdue on making a what to do in L.A. post. So I apologize in advance. But a short list of things that I highly recommend you do. Uh, You got to see the Hollywood sign. There's plenty ways to see it. One of the best ways to see it is from Griffith Observatory, which is a wonderful place to go. Um, It's weird that like the new cultural explanation for that is like where Adele shot her special. But that is where it was. Uh, Parking there is a mess. I think there's still a bus to the top. So look into that beforehand. But it is a beautiful vantage point is the beautiful place to visit. And the views are bar none. Uh, I also love, love, love. Of the Warner Brothers studio tour, and I cannot recommend it enough. There's really nothing like being able to experience a working Hollywood set. Like, this is where stuff actually happens, and for some reason, they drive you through it. Like, it seems like a liability. I'm frankly shocked this even exists, but Warner Brothers has pulled more money to, into this in the past year or so than they ever have before. There's an entirely new building, an entirely new parking structure. The way you experience it now is so much more seamless and better than it was before. You used to check in in the bottom of like a weird office building. Now they really have a purpose-built space and it feels special and it's a wonderful thing to do. I'm going to be doing it again soon in a few weeks. I love it. I've been on it four or five times and I live here and I still love it, which I feel like is a testament to how good it is. 
Griffith Park Carousel is also where I love to take people visiting from out of town. Now, it's not open every day and might only be open on weekends now, but this is where Walt Disney invented Disneyland. The dude sat on a bench while his kids were at this exact carousel and he invented Disneyland. So I always like to recommend it for Disney fans because they have the organ playing. It basically, I mean, they've only restored it. They have not updated it. It is pure magic in the middle of the park and feels a little bit like an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because <laughs> like, this carousel is in the middle of the park. It doesn't make any sense, but I love it so much. And they use it in a lot of TV productions when they need a carousel. They even used it in Bones for my Bones heads. Uh, just, just had to mention that. I had to work Bones into the podcast somehow. And I mean, I have a bunch of dining reservations. I don't even want to yell those at you. But the only other thing I'd flag is that the Academy Museum, it's fine. I'm not fully obsessed with it. I signed up for a membership and mildly regret it. But if you are a Miyazaki fan, if you happen to be a fan of him or his movies, they have a big exhibit there, which I don't feel like you can really get anywhere else. So I just wanted to flag that. Uh, If anyone has any other questions about visiting LA, please let me know. The other call I received, one of them specifically asked about jumping between neighborhoods. And again, I will stress talking about LA is like talking about an entire state because the traffic is so dense that it's really hard to move across it sometimes. So definitely put everything you want to do on a map, check traffic during like what our rush hour is like six o'clock just to see, to plan ahead, to get between stuff, because it is a normal thing that you will come to town and you will make plans and be like, nope, 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 nope. We literally cannot get there in time. Oh, I almost forgot. (gasps) You also should go to Bob Baker Marionette Theater. We did an episode on that last year. I highly recommend that one. Uh, There are a lot of ties between Walt Disney and early Disney and this marionette theater. It's very charming. They use old music. There's just like puppeteering. It's very, very sweet. And their new theater space is wonderful. So uh, give me a call back if you have any other questions. But yeah, just be mindful of how big LA is, how far away things are, how much time it takes, how much parking costs. But I promise it's worth it. You'll love it. Have such a fun trip. Hi, Carly. This is Selena from the West Coast side of the Disney parks. And I was curious, at Disneyland, there are so many regulars and influencers that have a side. So when you enter the park at Disneyland Main Gate and you either go left or right, there is a team left side and a team right side. And on social media, people seem very passionate about which side they belong to. And I'm really curious, what's your side? My personal is the team left side because I feel like you enter the park, you don't have to walk as far to get into a line, you turn left, you have, you know, um, City Hall right there, a popcorn cart, the Emporium, and then you start heading down Main Street. That just seems to make sense. Why would you walk extra far if you're coming from the tram side and then be there for a bathrooms and Mad Hatter? I don't know. It's more shady on that side, though. So I guess there's that. But curious what side you have if you prefer a certain side, left or right, when you enter Disneyland Main Gate. Thanks. Love the podcast. Okay. Now, there is nothing I love more than loudly opining about the correct way to walk in a certain direction in a Disney park. So obviously, I'm obsessed with this call. For anyone who has no idea what's going on, We are talking about the tunnels underneath the Disneyland Railroad when you enter Disneyland Park. You enter, you you have your ticket scanned, you walk through, and then you can either proceed left or right to go through these little tunnels to enter the park. And I feel like I've maybe discussed this before at the beginning of the podcast because this question always makes me think of my friend Nicole's tweet from many, many years ago from 2017. Yes, I dug it up. And it says, do you always enter Disneyland through the same tunnel or are you normal? And here we are not normal because I always enter through the right side tunnel. I don't know why, but to me, that is the correct one to enter. And when it comes to exiting, they usually try to shove you through one of them specifically. But I I, I always like to, I don't know, I like to enter to the right and exit out of when you're facing, when uh, when you're in Disneyland and you're facing the train station to exit out the right, which would be the left if you're approaching. The opposite side. Anyway, I'm entering through the right side almost no matter what. But I did my research and I asked a few Disneyland regulars their opinion to see what they thought. And I got some very interesting feedback. Now, I reached out to Sarah Sterling, who is one of the biggest Disney fans I know. And Sarah told me that she switches it up, but primarily goes right because it's the side where she can hit the bathroom behind Disneyana, go to Starbucks and go to the lockers. She said, mentally, I'm like, all my spots are on the right, must go to the right, which 
I kind of agree with. Jessica McDonald, though, goes left, which I thought was shocking. Just left exclamation point, no context, 100% left. So people are all over the place. The girls behind We Know Disney (laughs) ended up at getting in a separate text thread discussing it because they were in total disagreement and it was very, very funny. Uh, They think collectively... They only go left when they are coming back to Disneyland. Like, they don't need to go to the lockers. But it's 50-50 because Jamie, who is one of the We Know Disney gals, says that uh, she has so many memories entering both sides. But Jamie contests that they always go right, almost always, literally every time, because they're going to the lockers. So it seems like right is very purpose-built. But possibly the best answer I got was from Philander. And Philander knows everything. I'm just going to read this verbatim. Philander says, The right side, I think, is the best side for quite a few reasons. Having the train pull in from that side always makes the right tunnel seem like a more natural fit. It's the side you're most likely to see your first character encounter since they're standing in front of the opera house or by the egg house gate most of the time, which is incredible intel. This is me talking, not Philander now. Uh, Back to Philander. It also... I also enjoy that tunnel because it starts with Disneyana and I enjoy glancing in the window at all the new artwork. The only time I don't enter on the right is if a parade is close to starting or has already started. Hope that's helpful. Let me know if that makes sense. It makes sense, Philander. It is perfect. And you know what? I'm taking that word as gospel. I'm not going to say going through the right is the correct way to go, but low key, if you're a Disneyland fan in your heart, in your core, you're turning right. You're going right through that tunnel. So go right. If anyone has a hot take about this, you got to tell me. You better call into the Churros Hotline. But to me, entering through the right is the right way to go. Thank you for the call. That's our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Domi and Lindsay for coming on the podcast to Big time celebrities! Can you even believe it? Oh my god. Be sure to watch Turning Red on Disney Plus or own it on digital and Blu-ray today. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow on Spotify. And do you remember how exciting it was to get mail as a kid? Like when you get an envelope with your name on it, or it was like a pen pal, or it was like a sticker in the mail, you'd be so excited. That's how I feel about getting new reviews on Apple Podcasts. So a very special thank you to Kaylee, Cat Puente, MP2009, and Cam Disnerd, who wrote that I have brainwashed them into craving popcorn and cheese during these pods, for which I am very sorry, but also, you're welcome. If you want to be shouted out on the podcast or leave us a little love note, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. It's also a wonderful way for people to find the show who haven't listened yet, so your contribution means the world. You can give us a call any time of day or night at 747churros. You can also text us a voice note or email one to 747churros at gmail.com. I've been getting some text messages lately of people typing in questions, and then I've responded and been like, this is too good. You have to call it into the show. So if you want to feel something out, if you're a little scared to get on the phone, feel free to text me first at 747churros, and I will get you back, and I will encourage you to leave a voicemail. You can do it. I promise. I hate picking up the phone, too, but it's it's fun. I always like I feel like my heart's going to explode out of my body when I do it. So I get the anxiety. So if you're kind of like, I want to do it, but I'm scared, just text me and I will pep talk you into it. You can find Very Amusing merchandise at very-amusing.com. If your order has not shipped out yet, do not fear. Uh, I've sent out an email to everyone who ordered from the shop, so hopefully everyone got it. We are finishing production this week, it looks like, so things should be wrapping up soon and sending out very, 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 very soon. I thank you for your patience. We, to be completely honest with you, we got way more orders than I ever anticipated. I thought uh, my mom would order a few things and maybe a few friends, and then I would be stuck with boxes of t-shirt to the rest of my life. So uh, production is just taking a little bit longer than we anticipated because I had to order uh, an uh, just a, an absolutely unbelievable amount of garments to print on. So I apologize and things will be more smoothly for the next drop, I promise. And if you are listening to this in the future, head to very-amusing.com because we probably have stock up on the website because I ordered more and it will be launching once every order is sent out since those were pre-orders. You can follow me at Carly Weisel on Twitter, on Instagram, 
on TikTok, where like some days I feel like posting there, some days I don't. So TBD. I just posted a lot from my trip to Florida, especially on Instagram. So if you're looking for something specific, hit up the hashtag Carly's Disney Guides. Again, my name is spelled C-A-R-L-Y-E, followed by S, followed by Disney Guides. Uh, Whenever I post advice or like things about Cosmic Rewind or the Genie Plus Guides, it's all under that hashtag. So they're easy to find. You can also join the family at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited benevolently by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. Yeah, it is 2 a.m. again, and I decided I'm not keeping it short. I'm going to talk as long as I want. So anyway, I am glad that you had the best week at Disney World. Um, from all the pictures and all the Instagrams, because I spied you and I looked at everything, um, Jeffrey had the best birthday. I'm just like him. I celebrate the whole week, too, if not the whole month. But happy birthday, Jeffrey. All right, getting into this week, I'm a little lost, just to be honest. Like the Gardens of the Galaxy at Epcot Cosmic Rewind, that's like my head is spinning. Group, Rocket, Xandar, Planet, Novacore, what is happening? I'm so lost. So I was listening to Wyatt Winter talk, and I did learn something, that the Guardians saved Xandar. So I got that down. That's kind of like all I was able to comprehend. But I would love to see the new technology. I would love to hear Glenn Close and Terry, and I would love to walk around and get the tour. But that when the ride begins, I would exit. I would 100% exit because I heard that the ride goes backwards at high speeds. Like, spoiler alert, um, I'm exiting. So I'm going to hop off and I'm going to keep off that Star Cruiser. But I would love, love, love the music because just to give you a little FYI, it is kind of Disney content. Um, I did see the Tramps play Disco Inferno at a concert. So that is one of the songs on the ride, so I'm not spoiling anything. But I actually saw them at a club. So, um, yeah, that's all I have for gossip about me. But Claire, I think I love Claire. Claire's the caller who called in tonight, and you are so adorable. I watch, You know, I watch every podcast. I listen to every interview that Carly is on, and I might have gotten a little confused. But there is some blonde, cute podcast guy floating around in my head, so I don't know who it is either, but sorry about that. But it was a great podcast, and thank you again, Claire. And I'll see you next week, and literally I'll see you next week. I'm very excited. I love you, honey. Great, great week. Bye, sweetheart.